Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another entry into this uh, little series that I have going in which I interview and talk to somebody uh, that I find interesting. And so today we are talking to the host of the Say Goodnight Kevin podcast and uh, uh, video series, uh, which you can find on YouTube. It's Kevin McCreary. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I don't know when you're releasing this, but I'm currently trapped in my home. Sure. I don't, to, yes. I don't mean to date your episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> they come out un- in a year. <laughs> yeah, unless there's a sudden, uh, a really sudden miraculous healing across the land, um, I think uh, I think you'll be fine okay. on that on that <laughs> front. But uh, but yeah. Um, so uh, listeners, I. Um, uh, I was aware of Kevin's uh, material for a while, and then he and I were at a at a film fe- were both panelists at a film festival, and uh, got along uh, splendidly. Well, yeah, I, I hated you well. at first, but then uh, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Uh, you know, you'll come back to it. Don't worry. <laughs> Everybody there's a, does. There's like it's like a, a bell curve. You know, you got that little <laughs> exactly. bit of time where yeah. people like you. That's me too. I uh, I people don't like me. I'm a bit abrasive at first, mm-hmm. and then I have friends. But friends really only last about two years. And uh, sure, so, yeah, sure. Um, I think Mark Maron was the one who, uh, in his stand up, he was talking about like you know you have different layers of friends and you have your primary friends. And then you have the second layer for when you exa- exasperate your primary <laughs> friends, the yeah. people you can fall back on. But uh, anyway, so uh, Kevin, how are you doing uh, in the midst of all this craziness? Uh, I'm doing fine. Um, I mean, I was homeschooled growing up. Right. So I've been preparing for this my entire life. Absolutely. And uh, I, ha- I did have to get my wife to cut my hair today. <laughs> So if it looks a little, it does look a little strange right now, but I'll put some, I'll put some gel in it and there we go. it'll fix it right up. Uh, I, cause I have to film a thing for a thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know I just, that, you know, we're being recorded, but, uh, not necessarily by the government. You don't have to be that vague. While in the middle of the sentence, I realized it was for a client and I probably can't even say, <laughs> Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's not like a secret government client. It's just, right. I probably don't want to announce. Yeah. So I'm working for these people and they're paying me to, right. So. Yes. Yes. But um, it is sometimes I'll do on screen, you know, acting. Hey, whatnot. And so what's cool is I get to do that. Uh, since I already have a YouTube channel, I'm yeah. able to do things like that, that maybe some actors wouldn't be able to do mm-hmm. uh, because I have the equipment to do it where. Yeah. So that's uh, that's very interesting. And once we start, uh, once we stop recording, uh, I'm going to ask you more about that. I'll tell but, you all um, about it. Well, I've got <laughs> questions, too, for you when we're oh my done recording. So, oh, OK. All right. Well, I, I should I should, in fact, get a pen and just start a list. Oh, boy. OK. Well, now yeah. that sounds now that then, sounds I, then I have to figure out how to use a pen. Yeah, I no, I, so long. I, no, I get it. You know, it's uh, been a long time since homeschool where, yeah. uh, you know, the, the stereotype is that you're, uh, you know, who needs all that book learning in homeschool as long as you're reading the Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you but, got all uh, you need. You got math when it comes to the, the size of the ark or the temple. <laughs> 
you know, it's interesting. Before we started recording, we were talking about the depiction of Southerners in uh, in media, and both of us saying, like, yeah, I feel like it's uh, very uncharitable. Yeah. And then, the, and then immediately it's like, I need to depict somebody of a certain type. Here comes the Southern accent. How's it going? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's hard not to. I not do, to do revert it. to that. I do find yeah. the. But see, I I am from there. It's there tongue in cheek. I'm I'm allowed yeah. to. It's yeah. I, it's I lived my own in, family. I lived in Southern Missouri for three years, so I feel like that that sure. counts for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so for those that that don't know, um, and it's entirely possible that that's uh, many people at this point. As always, I've said it's hard to know exactly where audiences overlap. But um, but Kevin, explain what do you. What do you do? What do you do on this on this internet? I do not even know. Uh, well, how long have you been doing this thing that you don't know? I think around six years. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, I'd have to look it up. So I started a YouTube channel. Uh, I've been making like podcasts and that sort of thing. Um, I enjoy making content and putting it out on the internet. So I've been doing that for a really long time. Um, but I'll okay. The first thing that I did was I had an Adventures in Odyssey podcast. So there's something fun, something okay, you can so find in the, uh, in the records. <laughs> now, for those that don't know, okay, there's going to be a lot of this. Uh, Adventures in Odyssey was a radio show uh, produced by Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to it. I remember yeah. I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I lived in uh, Denver, Colorado, and and, oh, nice. was, and I was actually at the like the the official dedication ceremony of the Focus on the Family building at uh, wow. at Colorado Springs. I was I got a photo. I was like ten or maybe nine. And I got a photo of myself with a big, uh, like, like plush ma- mascot, uh, John Avery Whitaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been so... inside that suit. What? Yeah. Deep inside. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds inappropriate, yeah. but yeah, um... it was inappropriate, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And so <laughs> I'm not sure how far I can take that joke on the, you podcast. can go as, as, as deep as you want. Now, see now, now see? I don't like it, but, and I did. Yeah. Uh, but, I, uh, uh I actually worked there. Uh, Did you? That was my first job out of college was editing for the daily broadcast. Okay. Yeah. So how did you, okay. So Adventures in Odyssey uh, is like a radio drama. It's Mm. still running, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And it features. It's it's really well done. Um, It's interesting because Focus on the Family has, you know, uh, it has its perspective, perception. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I worked there and so I got to see kind of, there's a lot of different types of people who work there and stuff, but it, it also is, you know, it's very right wing, uh, religious yeah. right wing. And you even talk about that in the, um, the documentary that you told me not to bring up because everybody's sick <laughs> of hearing it <laughs> about how, thank you for uh, that. <laughs> About how um, Dobson was so influential in mm-hmm. kind of the uh, uh, the hey let's let's separate ourselves the separatist movement in the eighties right. from uh, media and really they you know he did have this idea that if if I'm going to be preaching or saying like separate yourself from it we should have we should have an alternative yeah and so Odyssey really grew out of that and I've what was cool about working there was getting to see how they make the show. And it's one of the best, 
produced things like that mm-hmm. in the Christian world, uh, the right from the writing to the acting to the the post production and stuff. It's really professional. Yeah, and, and so, we actually we had, you know, you mentioned the acting and. Uh, there are actors like Earl Bowen, who uh, listeners would know from the Terminator series, among mm-hmm. other things. Um, oh, and also uh, the Monkey Island video game series, if anybody's familiar with it. Yeah. And then a uh, friend Lucas, of the show, Townsend Coleman, from oh, many yeah. years ago. Uh, and then uh, Katie Lee, who uh, listeners would know as the voice of any number of really memorable cartoon characters. But Ralph yeah, so. And Muppet Babies. <laughs> That's right. And uh, let's see. And she does a voice in Darkwing Duck, but now I forget the name of the character. It's the next door neighbor uh, kid, um, friend, best friends with Goslin. But anyway, yeah. um, and and also um, Jess Arnell, who is oh yeah, so many characters, including um, uh, Ironside, uh, the Transformer. One oh, of the, okay, yeah, one of the Transformers. Um, yeah. yeah, ton of. Uh, any cartoon you look at the extra voices and jess arnell's probably gonna be there uh cory cory martin also cory burton Burton, that's the that's the one he also does good bit of odyssey voices yeah Uh, townsend coleman was my favorite character uh jason whitaker and what's interesting is he kind of i i listened to the show for like a very specific portion of my life and then i stopped listening and Mm -hmm. uh he started his character sort of came about at the tail end and so he's someone that like i have no as far as odyssey goes like i have no real frame of reference for him he was Uh, always the more like he he kind of i loved the way we could talk about odyssey is that what we want to do this whole time (laughs) i think we're I, i think i'm about about 20 seconds away from pivoting that to something totally else. totally fine. But uh, he was the more gray area character. Mm-hmm. And I think I connected with that. Like he was not like his, you know, John Avery Whitaker, that character was like, I'm the friendly old man who's going to give you good advice. Yeah. And his son in the show played by Townsend Coleman was always like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but what if we like blew a thing up? Is that okay? Sure. Can I do that? You know, like, and so he had, he was always navigating what the right thing to do was in very gray area situations. And I like, I think that that creates very interesting storytelling uh, that you don't find in Christian media very often. And so, yeah. And uh, in retrospect, when I think back on it, um, I remember many, many years ago, my mom, my mom once said, you know, like when I wanted to, to write or act or whatever, she's like, you know, you could, you could wind up working on something like adventures and odyssey. And I instinctively in a knee jerk way said, so like, Oh, that would be awful. And when I, but then I grew up a little bit more because I wasn't just being rebellious. I grew up more and and I think back on it. It's like, that was a well-produced show. That was, and probably still is, but like Mm -hmm. uh, the writing, the, the acting. And, and again, like even I remember there being an episode, one could say a very special episode where they address (laughs) like alcoholism and stuff like that and do it in a way that doesn't, I mean, granted there's not like abuse that, uh, that plays into it, but uh, they do it in a pretty clear eyed way that I always appreciated. But enough of that listeners, you yes. can go check out adventures and odyssey, <laughs> and then you can uh, check out Kevin's old podcast in which you hear him talk all about it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you're not so, doing that anymore. So yeah. what did you then well, do? I will say 
Okay. I will say my podcast, because this leads into what I do now. My sure. podcast was a, a bit of a parody. I would do like these news reports about things happening in Odyssey oh, that okay. were like, you know, Mr. Whitaker's running out of money because he's giving all his ice cream away for free. Like here's this <laughs> group of kids who figured out how to like, they go and they get free ice cream by going to him with their problems so they've been like making up problems oh, so you can funny. get so just re- like making fun in a tongue-in-cheek way of the show there was one there was this um series on odyssey and i'll try not to stay I'm, I'm just gonna make this whole podcast about odyssey sure whether you want it or not uh there was this thing where it was like a narnia thing but they'd go into the the woods mm-hmm. and they'd end up in like this this place called maris and i did a news report where they had discovered there was a drug in the woods that the kids were taking and that's how they were getting there and stuff. So I would do a little bit more adult jokes in the world of Odyssey, kind of doing an onion type news report. Of a a fictional place. And uh, yeah, just, okay. So, and what I thought you were going to say is like this just in a woman, uh, a a little girl is kind of sort of maybe questioning her faith a little bit. We'll see what happens. Um, But uh, anyway, will she get good advice from Mr. Whitaker? Yes, she will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thankfully, John Henry Whitaker was on hand to give. We, we you know, we're, we're waiting on confirmation, but we think it will be good advice. Um, <laughs> she may but, have to uh, go for a ride in the imagination <laughs> station, but he'll get her there. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was boy. stuff like that. Um, and so, I can only imagine how you and I sound to my listeners right now. <laughs> These guys are nerds. I think they probably know. I'm uh, guessing. No, uh, nerd is one thing. A very, like These nerding are... out over the Christian radio drama. <laughs> uh, that's a very different thing indeed. Uh, that, but that's my world. And so uh, I started a YouTube channel. was kind of like a side thing. I had, I had been working with other people on stuff and I got kind of tired of it i don't like people for the most part sure and so i was like you know i've got a camera i've got a microphone so i started a youtube channel just talking about things so the idea was just to kind of like like a side project where i'm like okay i should do something i should create something that's not dependent on other people liking me mm-hmm. and so i did that and i always kind of i so it was like hey, here's five things i learned about swimming i don't know that wasn't an episode but just that that kind of cliche type youtube channel where it's like five reasons cell phones are dumb your weekly beef yeah with something yes yeah and but i always would kind of try different things every few weeks Uh, you know like i did like this kind of office style mockumentary with a friend where it was called the tube and we would uh it was two guys trying to make it in on youtube and stuff and they were they would have different schemes to try to make a viral video and um and then one of the things that i tried though i'd been watching a bunch of nostalgia critic Mm -hmm. and i was like i wonder if i could do this because i was always a fan of mystery science theater i love riff tracks yeah Uh, and i always i remember when i learned that they weren't just riffing that they actually wrote scripts and i watched the behind the scenes thing and i was like I bet, you know, that makes a lot of sense that I can, I can see why they can be so funny. I wonder if I took the time to write a script, if I could accomplish this. Yeah. And so I tried it and, you know, there's a level of review, a level, a level of criticism along with the mystery science theater type thing. I, I 
So I tried it with Left Behind. I was like, it would be funny if it was called Nostalgic Christian mm-hmm. and playing off of the Nostalgic Critic thing. And so I did, and I got way more views on that Left Behind review than any of my other videos. If you could believe it, five sure. things cell phones are dumb got way less views than <laughs> a review of Left Behind. And it was so fun. I loved it so much. Uh, I'd, al- I'd always had thoughts and opinions about movies and discussing them with my friends and stuff. And so it kind of, it, it's one of those things that you do it and you're like, oh, this makes sense. I'm not quite sure why I wasn't doing this all along, but I should do it more. And people were asking, like, you know, when's the next episode coming out? So I, I think I did two or three more as Nostalgic Christian. And then at that point, I was like, well, if I'm going to keep doing this, I don't want to be a parody of a different thing. Right. While And, and I feel like there was a level of meta humor in that because, you know, I would always say that there's, there's always a Christian version of everything. Sure. And so, but I think that maybe that, I didn't feel like that was coming across. I felt like people were thought that I was just copying Nostalgia Critic, which I was. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I tried to make it better, you know, quality-wise. And, and, but then I decided to change the name, basically, and not and, – and it kind of was freeing to do my own thing. What has so I've been, been doing that for like five years. And, you know, I've, I've seen the comments on YouTube. And by and large, at this point, uh, anybody who's watching your show gets what it is. And they get the spirit in which you talk about uh, these movies. Um, but let's say early, early on, did you get people that uh, pushed back? I know that I certainly have uh, in, very, in certain circles, like people who will defend. They tend because what else can they defend? They defend the intention uh, mm-hmm. behind the making of, of Christian cinema. And so I was curious, like, did you ever get anybody who just really didn't get what you were trying to do or they just straight up condemned it? Yeah. Uh, I think early on, I got a lot of people who thought it was funny, um, you know, th- with the left behind one. And I think that was safer for them because it was an older movie. Sure. Uh, there's this thing in uh in christendom that if something's 10 years old and they're able to look at it honestly Mm -hmm. or if something's really it's not even the the age it's whether it's out of the culture war if it's not able to be used as a tool for the culture war anymore Mm -hmm. then it's fine to make fun of so like at this point if you make fun of god's not dead the original people are pretty much fine with it yeah, but if you made fun of, say, unplanned, sure, that's no, do not. That is uh, that is inappropriate. And so I got a lot of that because I reviewed um, God's Not Dead when it was still <laughs> a tool for the culture war, um, yeah. and that's probably where I got a lot of the pushback. Um, was when I did God's Not Dead. Because when I watched God's Not Dead, I'd already heard a lot of people talking about it. I'd gotten some text messages, you know, and I realized when I saw it, I was not expecting it to be what it was. I was expecting it to be uh, better because I heard so (laughs) many people say, well, this one's a good one. Because everybody knows that Christian movies are bad you know like that's the stereotype that christian movies are hokey and cheesy and so people though that understood that 
were saying, yeah, but this one's one of the good ones. Yeah. And I was so, when I saw it and I was, it was so bad. Yeah. In every way, like the acting, the story was so convoluted, just all over the place, all these things. Cause I knew that it was, there was a kid who stood up to his professor, but there's, that's just like probably 15 minutes of that movie. Yeah. There's five other storylines going on in there that don't connect really. Um, you know, I had seen, I, I'd seen, you know, like fireproof and facing the giants and stuff. And, and so I was expecting this to be a, a little bit above that. Um, and it wasn't really. And then what really hit me was just the fact that that movie, the message is so bad, like mm-hmm. to, to have this professor, the moment when he is like, Hey, this is why I'm an atheist because my wife or my mother, mother. I think it was his oh, yeah. mother was dying. And I prayed and God still let her die. That's when I realized there must not be a God. And the kid then proceeds to, uh, <laughs> to continue with the debate and embarrass him and yell at him in front of his entire class. Yeah. And that's supposed to be the victory in the movie. And then the guy goes out and gets hit by a car. Uh, and then instead of calling an ambulance, they lead him to Jesus before he dies. All of that was so shocking to me in, in and I don't mean to be hyperbolic with this. I just, I was like, there's, somebody needs to say something here. Yeah. Uh, and so that's when I felt like, well, maybe what I'm saying could actually, by pointing this stuff out, because I think if most, if a lot of Christians saw what I saw, if I pointed out, hey, he's being unchristian like to not ask this guy to let's, you know what, let's cancel this debate. Let's go grab a coffee and let's talk about this. Yeah. And him, like having the main character actually have the arc would be interesting. Could you imagine if the, if the, <laughs> yeah. if the arc was, if the hero's journey was him realizing that trying to embarrass his professor was less important than uh, reaching and befriending his professor. Um, if I could share that with Christians, that this movie is not teaching love, it's teaching anger and victimhood and I, I don't want to say hate because hate is such a strong word. And, and I don't know that it's people use that so much, but it's definitely not teaching love. I would use the word contempt, which I guess is mm-hmm. very similar to the, the concept of hate. Because yeah, and- I don't think there's anything violent that it's promoting, uh, even though I do think that there's a level to which these are like revenge fantasies in, sure. in the Tarantino fashion yeah in, the, in like, their own way in their own way it's not it's not as violent as a tarantino film but it does have if you you find out that the lady with cancer doesn't have cancer in the sequel but you don't find that out in the original and so yeah. you do have two of the main atheists or liberals die yeah. in that movie and i feel like that's played in a way to satisfy an audience. Yeah, it's... Is in, you know, in Tarantino's films, they're, you know, the slave owners or the Nazis or the Manson family. Yeah. Which are all groups of people who have, who hurt innocent people. Yeah. And so it's okay. Uh, And I guess you could say, 
it, it's all people who are actually oppressed getting their, in this fantasy world, getting their revenge. Mm-hmm. Where I don't feel like Christians are oppressed in the United States in the same way. Yeah, it's uh, it's not those moments. They're not exactly a that's what you get so much as it is. Well, now what are you going to do? Aha. You didn't Ah. think about this, did you? And that's the other thing is like you talk about the the spoilers, everybody, not that my listeners care much. But uh, (laughs) Kevin Sorbo's death scene, you know, because he he uh, becomes a Christian moments before death the film sees that as a win which it's like okay sure from a spiritual standpoint i guess it's also 100 percent manufactured and i don't believe a second of it but um but i understand why the movie sees that as a win but it is not at all treating the very fact of him dying as a as an unfortunate thing just in general in fact quite the opposite because it cuts back and forth between his death scene and a newsboys concert that our, that our main character is at and so excited about. And then she's like, guys, you know, I get that we're thinking on a cosmic level as well, but at the same time, read the room for two seconds <laughs> and recognize that someone at least mourn the fact of death. Yeah. Uh, you and know, it's not like a juxtaposition where the boy has, is learning that he's so like, like if it was done in a movie where he was so caught up with his concert while this if and and while this terrible things happening, you know, that could be understandable. But that's supposed to when things like that are juxtaposed, it's to show one side is oblivious to the horrors of the world while, you know, like but this wasn't intended to, there was no learning no, on the was, side of that character. There was only victory uh, on his side and celebration. And instead, and for me, it still makes him look rather callous, but it also makes the film look callous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can move on from God's yes. Not Dead. Um, and, uh, and so I did want to talk about, like, what are some of the, because one thing that's fascinating to me is that, you know, because I made the, the documentary that, again, I'm not going to mention right, beyond right. this, um, <laughs> And because I, I did, have done more than one lesson and, and I, I tended to focus in on the higher profile Christian movies that brought in a fair amount of money um, or were a little bit more critically praised. Um, but because you do what you do, like there are reviews of yours that I've seen. And I'm like, how the hell did he find this movie? Where, where do these movies come from? What? Okay, why is there a catching faith? And why is there a second catching faith? <laughs> did the ca- first catching fa- faith do really well? What does doing well even mean mm. uh, in this world? It's fascinating. So like, where do you find, you know, in some cases like, okay, yeah, like I still believe or overcome or like higher profile Christian movies, but like how on earth do you find some of these movies that I haven't heard of and am happy not to have? by the way, yeah, like how do you find them and how, yeah, for, exactly. for bringing them to your attention? Yeah. Well, the only way that they're acceptable, if, if I'm being honest, is uh, with some commentary there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, how do you find them and how do you decide what you're going to spend a significant portion of your time on? That's a great question. Uh, when, I, when I did Left Behind, I, I reviewed that movie first because it was one of the only ones I knew about outside sure. of like Passion of the Christ or the Narnia movies, like the really studio mainstream movies um, and the Kendrick brothers movies. Yeah. And so 
I and like kids stuff. Um, I reviewed that and and I then learned about a lot more just from people because I kind of phrased it as I'm looking for a good one because I've heard they're all bad and I'm looking for a good one. So people are like, well, I know of a good one. And so (laughs) I would get like this flood of movies that people said were good. And so at first I was just going through those and, and didn't never found a good one. Uh, Some of them are good. There's actually one called um, uh, uh, Ragamuffin. Oh, okay. Actually kind of relevant now because there's so many like movies based on Christian artists. Right. Uh, that one's one to check out. Cause a lot of people have told me for years that that's a good movie. And I just checked it out like a few weeks ago. And I was like, Oh, I, cause I was expecting not to like it. Sure. And there it's slow. It should be shorter, but it actually kind of explores Christian music from the perspective of somebody who's like, I don't want to be a part of Christian music because it is just another piece of entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, and actually doesn't paint the Christian industry is amazing. Um, <clears throat> so there, there's that. I discover movies from people recommending them to me. I also will kind of mine different subscription services sure. now that they exist. Pure Flicks, um, Christian Cinema, which isn't a subscription service, but it's got a lot of these Christian movies on it. I'll, I'll search these libraries and usually the, you can tell by the cover what kind of movie it's going to be. Yeah. And then you can watch the trailer. So I'll find stuff that way for probably three years now. I've been intending to, uh, my wife just brought me cookies. Oh, that's nice. Yes. (laughs) For about three years, I've been intending to just switch to, reviewing secular movies just real movies Mm -hmm. uh and other movies keep coming up uh you know i've done a few i did batman v superman uh which is funny because a lot of people expected me to talk about the religious aspect because there's a lot of like really on the nose religious innuendo in that movie uh and i just avoided it altogether uh and just reviewed it as a movie um and because i don't really want to do there was these books, this book series uh, called Finding God in the Lord of the Rings oh, sure. and things like that. And I, I never read them. I'm sure they're great, but I never, want to, I, I never wanted to do reviews where it's like, we're looking at the Matrix to find out where Jesus is mentioned. And like, to me, a lot of those movies like Superman or Matrix, like it's really obvious. It doesn't yeah. take a genius to, to find the, the spiritual aspect. Uh, that is is being kind of hijacked for for the narrative um i was i think there were other way, but but other ways that i get um i i guess i just yeah i i'm a magnet for it now yeah. uh, i'll even have directors who will send me their movies like hey cuz everyone almost everyone in in christian movies that make christian movies agrees with me and what I say. Yeah. Except for their own movie. It's, like, it's <laughs> I mean, it, it, it really right, does. But check out mine. It really does go to show you that like, you know, there are people that, that under, that do have sort of an objective understanding about well, like what makes a good movie, but it can be very difficult to actually translate that into a good movie yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, 
it, it goes back to this, uh, you know, it's, it's a speech that I've heard Kendrick give a couple of times, mm. uh, Alex Kendrick, director of fireproof among other things, um, in which he said that like, he, he hated cheesy Christian movies and now he makes them and he acknowledges how hard it is to not fall into that trap. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And I know he said that. Oh, sure. Uh, and yet <laughs> it's also hard to, you know, his definition of cheesy might be different than mine. Well, no, he's not wrong. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting cause it, it does go back to the kind of like once it's all over, like even the Irwin brothers, um, I talked to them and they had seen my review of Woodlawn and they were, this was when they were promoting, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, we saw your review. And at first we didn't like it, but like, more I thought about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. And I'm like, but that they were done with it. Like they can look back now that they're working on their new film, you know, then they can look back and say, yeah, it's that way. And I think Alex is, I appreciate that he was, he hated cheesy Christian movies. And when he's working on flywheel, he realized even while he's making it, he's like, Oh no, I'm making a cheesy Christian movie. But I feel like still I look at like even their most recent film, um, whatever it's called, uh, Overcomer. Overcomer. <laughs> and there are very obvious things in oh, that yeah. movie that he wants to have in the movie. And for for him, you know, we've talked I've talked to him on my podcast about this, but for him, that's because he that's the purpose of him making the movies. And to me, I think that that there's so much you can go you could go so much deeper and accomplish that purpose in a much more like artful way. But to to them, if they're not accomplishing that purpose on the nose right in front of you, then then it's not accomplishing the purpose. But yeah, I, there are things that he could do to make his movie not cheesy. Yeah, that absolutely. That they don't want to do. I think at the I think at the core is this idea is is a number of assumptions about what movies can be what somebody wants them to be and I think one thing that bothers me and it's hard to know but at the same time you can look at the final product and kind of understand it which is uh, I'm sure there have been times when you have written an episode of your own show I definitely know there have been times when I've been writing a review and I've been thinking about it before I start writing it and I have a definite idea of what I want to accomplish and then I I start the review trying to accomplish that thing only to discover as as it goes along that like oh the review that is actually being written is not what i initially intended it's something that i like more and there have been times that i've tried to cling to that initial thing because i thought through it and i was so committed to it but eventually you have to sacrifice that and you need to acknowledge that anytime you're writing anything whether it be a paper or a movie there has to be a certain level of organic evolution within that thing and i do think that one of the problems with christian films in general and i would include I would definitely include the Kendricks in that is that they they go in like this is what we want to accomplish whether it be a story beat or a thematic beat Mm -hmm. uh, and we will not sacrifice that to the film that is actually being made Um, and I think it's I I think it it shows like you can I feel like you can tell when the film is when the filmmakers are grabbing the characters and the script and dragging them back to where they initially intended yeah 
where even though the the storyline is not taking that character in that direction or yeah. you haven't shown us why they would get there um, yeah and and i some of that is is finesse uh, I think that there is a a lack of finesse in Christian movies in general, like a lack of uh, just natural intuition as to what a story is telling you, where yeah. a story is taking you. But also, like you said, there is that, um, whether it's spirituality, uh, you know, this is the message that I want to get across or it's just a cool thing. Uh, here's a shot that I really wanted. And we spent a whole day getting that shot. And so um, there's a lack of uh, willingness to let go of yeah. something. And, and part of that, I think, is, um, is not being able to separate your roles. Because when you're mm-hmm. making a movie, especially an independent film, whenever you're the only one on the project or one of few, you're going to have to wear a lot of hats. And when doing that, you have to then be able to take one hat off in order yeah. to put the other hat on. And I, I realized this, even with my reviews, like I'll be working on the writing of a mm-hmm. script. I'll film it and change something while I'm filming it. There are times where I'll go on like a rant about yeah. something and in editing, I'll realize nobody cares about that and I'll yeah. have to cut it. And it's, I think it's important. And I let myself do that when I'm filming because I know that editing Kevin will have the discretion <laughs> to, to cut that out and to understand people. I care about this. This is a thing that I'd love to say, but honestly, it's too much. It goes on too long. It doesn't work. I'm going to cut it. And, and it's just segmenting your roles. And that's not easy for everyone to do. So uh, we should probably look to start uh, wrapping up, but um, I do know that, and I'm, I'm, you've already talked about this on your show. So I feel somewhat comfortable asking about it, but uh, you know, on the, the Kendrick brothers, most recent film uh, overcomer uh, they did consult with you Mm -hmm. uh, on, I believe this at the screenwriting level. Yes. Yeah. At, um, at early, the first draft um, throughout several of the drafts. uh, And then Alex showed me when it was at a a two, two and a half hours. cut of the movie and he said i think we need to cut 15 minutes i said you need to cut 45 minutes i think yeah um you know and and i mean those guys are the most genuine real uh like uh they're the real deal yeah when it comes to this stuff yeah like they mean it they, you know, and I, I think that I respect that. Uh, they're very nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were very generous, uh, especially Alex. I mean, so is, so is Steven. I mean, he, he, he has talked to me about kind of, cause I, I asked him what, like, what is, what do they mean when they say God gives them the script and stuff? <laughs> and he like laid out, he gave me like a, you know, he wrote it. He spent like an hour explaining all of it to me. Yeah. Um, there, and there's stuff I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And there's stuff that, um, I totally disagree with, but 
that's it's okay to disagree with people mm-hmm. anyway i hijacked your question what were you oh, asking no. uh just the idea of um because i years ago i i did some script consulting and then i got away from it and then starting uh starting to give lectures and stuff at uh, christian film festivals and then i would sit there at my table and people would come up and they would very nicely say like do you do you read scripts and for a long time i said no and then i thought like well granted Christian film falls short in almost every capacity, but it first falls short uh, at the screenwriting level. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I said like, yes, I, I do this and this is what I charge. Um, but, uh, and so I've, I've consulted on a lot of scripts and then I actually helped somebody whose film was in the, uh, like the, the rough cut stages. Like, so I could, it's like, okay, well, it's still being, the script is already written and things are already filmed, but it's still in the stages where you can cut this, you can cut that, hmm. you can move these scenes around, um, that sort of thing. And, uh, and it's very, it's very interesting to be a part of it. And it puts you in a position of, I, I certainly don't want to be rude, but I do want to be honest. And hmm. I remember there was a guy I was on the phone with and uh, I'd read his script and the first 30 pages were solid. And then it falls way off after that. And, and I was talking to him on the phone and as I was giving him notes, like there was a long silence on his side and I said, you doing okay over there? And he said, yeah, he goes, I just, I thought I was done. And I said like, I'm very sorry. That is an unfortunate place to be when you think you're done and it's just about fine tuning only to discover there are major structural issues. Yeah. And so um, on the, on the, in this case, working with, and I, I tend to work with people that are at a slightly lower level. Uh, you're working with like the Kendrick brothers who've helped define the industry. Um, when you gave suggestions, uh, did they push back? Did they say what they were trying to do that you're not picking up on? Or were they mostly, uh, did they mostly listen to you? Um, yeah, I think all of those things. Uh, okay. It's, it's nerve wracking because like I said, I just start, I enjoy talking about movies to friends. Yeah. And, uh, and then I started doing reviews as a joke. Like I like mystery science theater, which yeah. you wouldn't, that, they aren't movie reviewers. They're riffers. They're, they're yeah. comedians. And that's kind of what I see myself as. Um, but I do enjoy kind of analyzing movies. And I, I think as an editor, cause that's what I am at heart. Mm-hmm. I do understand um, you know, like I said, I worked for Focus on the Family and there I was editing interviews. And mm-hmm. so I kind of understand like, okay, they mentioned this at this part in the interview. So if we cut that out, but they bring it up again and they say, yeah, and again, I, you know, I know to cut that out. So keeping yeah. track of like, here's an hour long thing and keeping track of all the content that's in there, even though it's a conversation, uh, kind of trained me to to understand structure of a a narrative um and so i was not um it's a little nerve-wracking to have somebody who has made five movies already say hey give me your thoughts on this movie uh because i'm not i have never made a movie Mm -hmm. and i'm not a uh a filmmaker i'm definitely not a dialogue writer Mm -hmm. um i don't but but when i did start reviewing movies i did start reading a lot of books about um about filmmaking and getting as much knowledge as i could because i felt like it was important if i'm going to be talking about (laughs) this stuff to know the terms at least yeah and um and and 
it's, what's interesting is I think a lot of people who make movies don't do that. And so I'm able to read a book about filmmaking and talk about things I learned and filmmakers will, will be surprised like, Oh, I, I never thought about that. Yeah. And it's, uh, that surprises me. So all of that to say, I, um, I just went through the script like it was a review, like mm-hmm. it was one of my reviews and just wrote in the margins, the, um, you know, in the notes section, uh, my thoughts, like, sometimes I'd write a joke, you know, and sometimes I would say, look, this character is this way. I think it would work better if it was this way. Some of the stuff that they, um, that they took, uh, that they used was my suggestions. There was a, there's an old, there's a magical old black man in the movie. Yep. And, uh, I, he was very kind of like just that stereotype. Yeah. And I thought, it would be better if he was funnier. Mm -hmm. And I was, what I would do was kind of explain, here's kind of the idea that I think makes sense for this character. You know, at this point in the, in the story, we should probably understand this. And with that, I didn't know how to like explain it without showing it. And so I just wrote, rewrote the scene. I was like, okay, have this. And that way, when he brings this up, he can bring that up again later and make like they'll have an inside joke. And that way the audience feels like, Oh, there's a little inside joke here that I'm in on. Um, And that was playing to the, the coach's fact, the fact that his identity was supposed to be found in coaching and he loses that. So who is he now? So the kind of, Oh, it's the would uh, maybe, maybe not basketball coach is kind of the, at the beginning he says, you know, Oh, you don't sound too sure about who you are. So those were lines and dialogue that I had written, but I didn't intend to like write it for them to use. Right. Not that I am offended. I'm honored that right. they would use it, but they did use it. And yeah. Obviously I, you're, was, you're owed some compensation for that. And, yeah. <laughs> well, they did. I, they didn't just, they didn't get my advice for free. Got it. Yes. Uh, so not, you know, people have written articles about how they're like, they're non-unioned. They're, they're very generous uh, people. So uh, I got a, a million dollars for it. Wow. Not really. Which uh, is weird because the budget was like six million. Like. I got half the budget. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it, it was probably, so they used some of my advice. Some of it, you know, Alex explained to me stuff that he's like, well, these are non-negotiables. I think that that was bad on their part yeah. to have those non-negotiables. It was nerve wracking because I'm just a YouTube reviewer. And, I, and some of my advice was you got to get somebody who writes dialogue to rewrite this dialogue <laughs> yeah. uh, because I, don't, I can't rewrite it for you. I'm not good at that, but I know people who are. Uh, I even, you know, recommended some of the uh, Adventures in Odyssey writers again, because I think that the story of a family dealing with a crisis is right up Adventures in Odyssey's alley. They do that all the time. And so, you know, small town struggle is what they do. And so um, they use some of the advice. Basically, what I wrote is kind of what I ended up using in my 
my review on my YouTube okay. channel. Uh, I reference it and a lot of what I say in that review, things that I point out, continuity errors. Uh, I think I did steal a thing that I that you had mentioned uh, that there's no night shots in the whole movie. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I referenced that in my review. I'm like, so they're having dinner at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And, it's... But I, all of those things, a lot of the things that I said are things that I had suggested and they didn't change. Yeah. And so it was interesting to see because I do think when you comb through these movies, I see different things and I see things more and you know, there was pushback of like, now nah, we can't change that. Like the headphone thing uh, yeah. at the end, which I think is super cheesy. Uh, but that was, I believe kind of the first thing that, yep. that Alex thought of. Uh, it definitely felt as I was watching it, it felt like this seems like something they were committed to. And this was, this is at the core of the, of their film. And uh, it feels like it. It feels mm -hmm. like the rest of the movie is bowing to that moment. Yeah, because there's there's this whole scene where they're explaining it before it happens. Like they're building it where it's like we got there. Every argument that you, Tyler, would have in your review of the movie, yeah. they try to address yeah. in this this public in the school meeting. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of what they were, and it, and it hurts. It hurts the narrative because it really takes yeah. you out. Like, wow, they're really <laughs> talking about these headphones a lot. And they, they have a headphone situation earlier in the movie where the girl steals some headphones. Yeah. That's not even brought yeah. up. It feels <laughs> like there's, yeah, like. If you're going to have Imagine two, she gives them back and then the coach says like, well, you're going to need some headphones and he buys them something, for her. Something yeah. to connect them. Uh, yeah. would make sense. And I feel like those types of f story writing techniques that a lot of times you, you asked me earlier if I get pushback, uh, not just from the Kendrick brothers, but from just people watching my reviews. Yeah. And I think maybe the, the stuff that is hardest, but that I, I lay in bed thinking about the most is when the actual filmmakers contact me mm -hmm. and say something. Uh, because to me, my reviews weren't for them. They were never intended for them. They were yeah. intended for would-be filmmakers who can, you know, I can watch this and say, hey, here's some things I noticed. And then future filmmakers will watch that. Like my demographic is 18 to 25-year-olds who are watching yeah. my reviews. And so I imagine that's, that's my audience. And so when the filmmaker is like, hey, you said this and, uh, you know, or whatever, I feel a little bad, but not bad. Like, I wish I hadn't said that, but more just, it makes me think like, okay, I, I think through it. So, um, but sometimes I'll get, uh, I'll get somebody who made the film and they'll say, well, this was a really low budget film and yeah. treat me kind of like I'm punching down. Yeah. And in reality though, I don't, I have no budget. I mean, I have some at this point because <laughs> yeah. uh, of Patreon and stuff, but certainly not what any, I don't have more than a thousand dollars to make my reviews yeah. or whatever. Like I don't have a, a million dollar budget. I don't have a $10,000 budget. And to me, I still feel like an amateur watching a movie. And if I'm noticing it, yeah, if I'm seeing these issues, then I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the lowest 
common denominator <laughs> in a lot of ways that I don't do this sort of thing. I'm yeah. not a filmmaker, but I'm noticing these. So I, I actually feel like I'm not ever punching down because all of these people have more, have access to, to more money and power <laughs> than I do. And something that I, that I've said on the show before, and it's, not 100% true, but it's mostly true, which is a, a good script costs about as much to write as a bad script. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you may actually pay somebody to consult on it, and so it costs a little bit more, but at the same time, probably not that much, really. And uh, yeah, it's there. Are, so many people latch onto that budget thing, and mm-hmm. it's understandable. Like, I just made a, I just made a film uh, at an extremely low budget. I'm very aware of that, and I'm very aware of the limitation on time and all of that. But as I look at some of the, my own issues with it, it's like, all right, I will, I can't, I know in good conscience, I can't put everything down to the budget. Mm. Um, I can put some of it down to just my own limitations in filmmaking and editing and structure and that sort of thing. And so it's like, yeah, it's, it's not perfect. I absolutely understand. It's not perfect. Whereas if somebody were to say, Oh, this movie felt very amateurish part of me is like, well, it was on multiple levels and not merely the budget level. Like I am an amateur at this. And so it's going to feel amateurish and that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. I think the hard part about consulting on a script primarily, because I've I've done it a few times now, is just the what if they take my advice and I'm wrong? And uh, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I land on that. I think that leads me to not be as like if they don't take my advice, then it's it's whatever. Um, You know, I think on on with with. The Kendricks, obviously, I felt like I could be a little more harsh because they can take it and they've had plenty of criticisms that they, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. And um, and I think, you know, like one of the things that he said was, well, a lot of people said that the um, the death crawl scene in Facing the Giants, the greatest scene in movie history. Of course, uh, a lot of people said that was cheesy. And yet people love that scene. Like their audience loves yeah. it. It's shared on Facebook all the time. I see of people like this is the yeah. greatest film, film has seen it ever. <laughs> and it's not, I still think it's cheesy, but you know, the argument is, but the audience liked it. It, it fulfilled its intended purpose. And, and that was kind of how, and I, I get that to a degree. And I don't know if, if the Kendrick brothers made a really solid, well-made movie, if that would do as well as their other movies, uh, it may not do as well financially. Right. Because they do have a particular audience. Um, I've consulted scripts where people take all of my advice, but I also usually give the caveat that you should talk to someone who knows how to write dialogue or knows, knows about this stuff in a way that like I can give you stuff and say, this feels weird, yeah. but I don't, I don't know how to make it not feel weird. I just know that this feels, this yeah. feels weird and this feels hokey. And um, yeah, maybe I'll send them to you. Uh, please do. I could, uh, I can always use the, the business and I charge a very reasonable rate. I'm told. Nice. Um, okay. So, uh, so we should uh, go ahead and wrap up and I'll, I'll ask uh, a couple things. Number one, where can people find your work online? And also uh, if somebody wanted to start watching your, your videos, which, which review of yours do you think is the best entry point into who you are and the kind of stuff you do? Uh, that's, that's difficult, but, there, a lot of people seem to like 
um, my princess cut review. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was just on my game that day. Uh, but it's also a very special movie. <laughs> you had, you had a, a, quite a bit to work with. Yes. Uh, so that one's a good one because you're, I don't, there's very few people who will be offended me criticizing that movie because mm-hmm. it, it, it just, just check that one out. One of my personal favorites is one called uh, Hidden or Unwanted Presence. Okay. It's a super obscure movie that is very funny uh, in and of itself. I highly recommend watching it just as, as a movie if you can find it um, because it's, there's so much stuff I had to cut out. Um, and then the God's not dead review. A lot of people, that's their first video. It's my most popular video. Um, I don't love it. It's, I was still the nostalgic Christian back then. And I, every month or two, I get a comment saying, you're just copying the nostalgia critic. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, some, there's some smart people out there. They're, they're really, uh, they're really investigated. They should they should be part of the FBI or something. Uh, and so, but that one a lot of people like, and and I I do think it's a a, a thought provoking review. Um, just so people, not not because I'm all that thought provoking, but it's because I I thought a lot before making the review. Yeah, it's yeah. There are a number of of really great reviews on there. Um, some that I've actually returned to because I think. Uh, you know, this is something that, that sort of is a requirement of YouTube uh, critics is that, at least for me, yes, they can be funny. That's all well and good. But I do also need them to be a little bit insightful as well. Hmm. Some of them will focus on insightful, not that there's anything wrong with that, but they're pretty dry. Uh, and then some, probably more than most, will really focus on like personality and humor. And, there's, and that's fine, but when you get the blend of the two of them, that's when it's like, ah, yes, now you're doing what I, what I think is most effective. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, listeners, you can check out Say Goodnight Kevin on YouTube. Uh, is it just saygoodnightkevin.com, uh, your, yeah. your website? So, uh, so yeah, check out uh, Kevin's stuff. Lots of good, lots of, uh, good content there. Ugh, I hate even phrasing content. it Oh, I, yeah. I also have a podcast, as you mentioned, up top. Oh, yes. Not to, not to promote myself. but That's fine. It's fun because I, I mentioned that, you know, whenever these directors get in touch and say things, well, that's why I started the podcast was, I, you know, now I can say, well, hop on my podcast with me and we'll talk about it. So yeah. I interviewed Alex Kendrick, Dallas Jenkins. Uh, I got a few more coming up soon. Uh, the girl from Princess Cut and Unplanned, uh, the actress, yeah. um, Ashley Bratcher. So it, it's fun because I get to actually, I'm like, just, I punch a lot of uh, movies, and yeah. if the director wants to come and punch back, then then feel free. That's it's their safe space. It's oh boy, <laughs> that seems unlikely, but that's fine. Um, okay, well, uh, listeners, thank you so much for for listening. Do check out uh, Kevin's stuff, and uh, as always, check out uh, Battleship Pretension and uh, look for various articles and all of that. So, in the meantime, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. This has been a blast. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, guys, we will uh, get you next time. Bye.